This empty chair represents the addict who died today, not knowing recovery was possible. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of This Empty Chair. Um, just uh, tonight is a special night. I have I call them the M and M team, Woo! Michael and Maddie. Hey. Woo! What's up, everybody? Happy right? Recovery Month! Happy, Happy recovery, recovery Month! month. So, you guys, speaking of Recovery Month. Speaking of. It's 10-3. 10-3. We have 45 years of recovery sitting on this That's uh, pretty impressive. on this little stage platform this evening. That's Love pretty that. awesome. So folks, we're here to remind you that um, you can recover, Absolutely. especially if they can recover. I'm <laughs> right. telling especially you. if we can recover. If they can recover, <laughs> anyone can. It just takes a lot of work and uh, and it's definitely worth it. But before we always start the show, I just want to make sure that I thank our sponsors because is because of them that this show is able to happen. Not only that, but you're also it's a win-win because the sponsorships that we have, um, we put that money aside for scholarships. So anyone that doesn't have access to go into sober living, um, we're able to MVP ASAP is able to work with them. And uh, awesome. first and foremost, I want to thank Lou. He's always uh, his dedication to this has been amazing. Um, he drives all the way from his home to come here to set this up for us. So thank you very Not much. To thank Lou. you, Lou. Yeah, and, uh, and Costa Broadcasting for allowing this to happen. So just big shout out to Matt McLennan in Century 21. Matt, I know you're bummed because we don't have any concerts, so we got to find some. Um, also want to thank Methuen Events, Michaud Insurance, more from Boston, Recovery Centers of America. Woo! Uh, Sunrise Detox, Alternative Home Healthcare, and Andover Cares. And I'll thank the rest as we go on throughout the night. Uh, I just want to jump in because it is recovery month. Um, I want um, to really express that like we do recover, and you guys are too living proof as to what um, a addiction, where it's taken you, and, uh, and where you've come. So uh, I'm going to first introduce um, my godson over there, Matt hey. O'Malley, um, because he is an absolute living miracle. When I look at um, pictures from you from the past and um, and what you looked like then versus today, like you were the walking zombie and dead, and today you're just um, a pure light of life, and it's yep. a beautiful thing to see. So Absolutely. share with us um, your experience, strength, and hope, and uh, especially to those who are listening, if anyone's hurting. Like, again, this is proof that we do recover, so right. let's uh, hear what you have to say. Right off to me, huh? Right off to right you. Off. Let's um, go. Thank you, Cole. I love oh, you're you. welcome. Um, Cole is actually my rail godmother, which is, <laughs> which is neat. Talk about gifts of recovery. Amen. Um, um, yeah, man, um, I'm a recovering addict, a grateful recovering addict. Um, I'm an advocate for people that, you know, are in a dark place that, you know, have tried everything and, and just can't see the light. Um, we do recover. Amen. Um, your process is your process. My process was my process. Um, I love the recovery community because they never gave up on me. Um, my experience, strength, and hope is that, you know, I came from a pretty loving family. Mm -hmm. um, I have the most amazing, um, in my eyes, I see perfection, father, yeah. supporter, best friend um, in the whole entire world. Amen. Um, but at the same time, I also had a mother that suffered from the disease of addiction and uh, a lot of mental health. And... Um, I mean, my disease has always been a part of my life, um, well before I even put a drug in me. Um, growing up, um, I never felt comfortable in my own skin. I never felt really comfortable in my household. Um, there were a lot of what-ifs. There was a lot of wonderings, and I was in a constant state of fear. Um, I just wanted, you know, I just wanted that relationship with my mother. I just wanted that embracement from my mother. Um, and it created, um, it created a modality inside of me. It created an emptiness. Um, <clears throat> I remember like growing up, like, you know, my favorite part of the day was like when dad got home, um, and he would wrap his, wrap his arms around me. Um, 
And that's like really like the reason why I say that is that's like what the recovery community does. And that's what they did for me. They wrapped their arms around me. Amen. They created a safe place for me. Um, so when you speak of the unsafety, you're speaking of you didn't feel safe being with your mom. And that was due to her mental health issues and stuff like that, correct? There, yeah, it, it was it was a lot of different things. And, you know, um, before my mother, you know, lost her battle to uh, the disease of addiction and her mental health, like there were occasions when I'd come home from school as a young boy and, you know, um, I'd have to call the paramedics because she was unconscious. Wow. Um, it created um, an uneasy amount of, like, just fear for me. Um, so... Growing up, um, I got angry. Um, it was my primary emotion. I got angry and I found myself getting, you know, my dad, you know, only knew how to react to that by people telling him how. And I found myself in like a McLean's Hospital, a Children's Connection, in and out of programs. Um, and, and that happened for some time, man. And um, But growing up, like, I've always felt the need to, like, run away from reality. Mm -hmm. um, I had to obsessively and uh, uh, compulsively use. Yeah. And it wasn't even drugs. Like, growing up, I had to use things. Like, I remember obsessively and compulsively using, like, pogs or, like, Legos or, like, <laughs> yes. you know, like, I had to create a, a, an imagination place because, like, I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with life on life's terms. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I was extremely disconnected. Yeah. I didn't feel a part of anything. I didn't feel cool with the kids from school. Um... So I used to use these things, like if they were drugs, I, I, you know, Duck Hunt, Legos, Connects, Pogs, and, you know, I would have to create this sense of, like, fantasy. Yeah. Because I didn't want to look at what was really going on. Yeah. Um, that I can identify with is the fantasy because um, I used to snap my fingers mm. and thought I disappeared and you couldn't see me. Right. And that was my safety zone. And usually the police would be like, can you turn around, Miss Welch? And <laughs> put the You're hand still here. And, we, here. and we see you. <laughs> right. you know? But I thought I was Bert from Soap, who used to do that. You guys are too young to know that program. Right. But I, I understand the whole safety thing and, and how you're identifying right now that you're restless, irritable, discontent, and not comfortable in your own skin. Right. Would you say that that is part of um, what addicts and alcoholics going through if someone's new and listening to that statement tonight without a doubt i right. mean that's the core of our disease right. is it wants us disconnected from anything that is going to get us well yes and it wants us in a constant state of discontentment mm -hmm. uneasiness yeah um feeling unique and not able to identify with people around right. us Absolutely. Right. um <laughs> Which right now, because of COVID, we have a lot of newcomers that are having this experience, not able to get the momentum that the three of us got when we first came into recovery. Right. And we also have the old timers who have had recovery, um, don't have access to the Zoom and the Connect. So they're, the, I think the biggest thing right now is the disconnect that's going on. Right. So That's why um, there's been a spike, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mental Speaking of the disorder. spike, there's yeah. a 30% spike in overdoses and 19% in suicides, mm -hmm. as I was just getting a text right now that um, a friend needs help for their child so it's, it's terrifying it honestly is. if you really think about it um, and the only thing you know us as predecessors or people with some time yeah you know I, I believe you know Mike tells me you know you know we need to reach out and be more loving more yeah. accepting and you know do our part yeah. and also for the people that are new yeah. um, Closed mouths don't get fed. You need to vocalize where you're at. That's right. Ask for help. That's Ask right. For help. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I know you didn't grow. You didn't grow up and say, "Oh, I want to be an addict." So when did you finally? You went from the Legos to the Connect Four and the Pogs, which I still don't know what a Pog is. Showing my age, people. Lou, <laughs> do you know what a Pog is? I do not. Okay, good. But I, I might have some so. at my house. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll show you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So, so when was your first drug? When was your first drink? Um. Nowadays, it's called a late bloomer, believe it or not. Um, okay. So, I mean, that, that, that was fairly young. And then, you know, I ended up, you know, like I said, you know, um, my life took a turn for the worse when I was 14 years old. Yep. And um, the disease took my mother from me. Yeah. Um, it, really, it really took my life from me. I was left with a whole set of issues, um, hmm. trust issues, abandonment issues, um, love issues. Mm. Um, most importantly, I built a resentment against God, yeah. and that kept me out there for almost a decade. Um, 
so when that happened, um, by you know, I was 14 when that happened, and um, I was just left broken. And um, by 15 years old, you know, I, I'm, I'm not unique by any means. I started dibbling and dabbling with weed. Mm -hmm. um, my my disease manifested to the areas of my life um, where I, I, I I've needed acceptance. I needed validation. I needed people to tell me what I'm worth. Um, I never felt comfortable in my own skin, so I needed people to tell me who I was. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I went into the party scene and, you know, where came, you know, the occasional, like, cocaine use and, you know, the, the Percocets. And now it was Percocets and cocaine. And now <laughs> it was, you know, Molly and, you know. Um, I love drug. I love you, Maddie. Right, right. <laughs> and, and I thought it, I thought, right. I thought it yes. was fun. I thought it was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> but by... By 17 years old, I, I tell you, I was, I was, my life was fully um, riddled with addiction. Oh yeah. Fully riddled with addiction. I, I was a full-blown um, um, addict at, at 17 years old, and it just manifested. And I blinked, and you know, I, I, I now needed drugs to function. Yeah. Um, I now needed drugs to go throughout my day. I now needed drugs to, you know, just live. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I did that and, you know, I did it for, you know, the reason is like I didn't want to accept mom was never coming back. Yeah. And that's how aggressively I used. Um, yeah. And I justified it as if I lose my life to this, I'm going to be with mom anyways. Okay. So that's how I used. Were you in school? Like, obviously you're in school because you're 14 years old. Did guidance counselors, did anyone try to interject with you? Did anyone try and say, like, Maddie, is there anything we can do for you? Or is this just like, I'm on a mission and I'm out of here? A lot of people tried to interject. They did? Okay. A lot of people tried to help me. Yeah. Um, and that's just proof of, like, how powerful the disease of addiction is. Yeah. Is that I had all the love in the world. I had, you know, an abundance of me, uh, people trying to steer me in the right direction. Yeah. But yet, I, I, I didn't hit bottom yet. You yeah. Know? Like, I, I had to go where I was going to get where... I am today. Yeah, I always say if love could cure us, none of us would have ever there would had be no this disease. Addicts. I have so much love yeah. in my family, and you guys have the love in your family. No, like love doesn't cure, and Sorry, love is a powerful thing. That love. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like love me. Yeah. No, love no, me. Right. Don't yeah, yeah, close. Yeah. Back up. Don't touch me, but yeah. you love yeah. me too much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I mean, and you know, um, by 17 years old, you know, like I was actively like um, using heroin, um, shooting heroin. Um, at 17. At 17 years old, I, I was a full blown. You know, yeah. I was a full blown addict. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, not only that, but like um, I talk, you know, people know how you know where the drugs take us. But like, um, I was so emotionally lost as well. Like I had no clue who I was. Yes. Um, like I started to hang out and do things that just were never me. You know, like um, yeah. I had, I've always had this, you know, feeling for people to tell me who I am, to accept me, to embrace me. And I know yeah. where it comes from. It was, you know, um, I'm looking for mom and other people. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And, um, you know, you name it. I was the, the goth kid with the Janko jeans. Um, <laughs> yes. I was the athlete. I was the um, the ladies' man. I was the gangster. Um, I was a rapper at one point. Uh, I had a terrible rap career. Not Let's successful. Hear some. Let's hear some. Yeah, 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 yeah. Recovery took that mask off today. Yes. Um, and, like, it, it looked a lot like insanity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there was jails. Like, yeah, there was institutions. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I overdosed a handful of times. I mean... The places my disease took me is just, you know, crazy, and yeah. you know, um, and and like my early twenties, like my dad started to intervene, yeah, and um, he started to like uh, make me to go to treatment, and the Danvers Detox, the NorCap, the Arbor Fullers, um, over and over and over again. Um, 
I took my insanity tornado wherever I went. I wasn't ready to work on myself. I literally, I'm the addict. I had to run out of every single manipulation scheme. Yeah. Like, I had to exhort all roads yeah. in order to take the road to recovery. Yep. Like, um, I, uh, I went in and out and I lied and, you know, I, I just, it was just insanity and I, I just couldn't sit with myself. I could not feel my feelings. I could not accept the fact that, you know, my mother's not going to be there. And yeah. that's my story. You right. know what I mean? I've never felt comfortable. When you were going in and out of places, did you ever gain some momentum of, you came out of like Arbor, Fuller, and then you made it like three months and relapsed? Or was it like in, out, let's go? Like the it, second you walk out the door? If I did, it, w it was for all the wrong reasons. Okay. Um, if I did accumulate maybe 30 days okay. sober, it was that I could get the things that I needed to get back yes. so I could go back out and use. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I had no substantial clean time for okay. all, any of the right reasons okay. ever. Okay. Um, and like my disease, like to talk about it being cut and baffling and insidious, like um, I would go to treatment centers and like, um, look, look I, I, I was a heroin addict and like, because I was so desperate to not sit with myself, like I found myself taking like baclofins, <laughs> narotins, like kratom, yeah. K2, like using all of these things, like I, I never realized how like desperate I was to run away from reality yeah. and, and run away from my emotions. Right. Um, so, I mean, my clean date is 4417. Nice. Woohoo! Um, yeah, God willing, God willing, because he gets all the glory. Amen. But, right? I got Amen. a good godmother that puts that in the forefront <laughs> for right. me. And a good sponsor that Amen. always puts that in the Amen. forefront for me. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, um, my father yeah. never gave up on me. He yeah. wanted his boy back. Yeah. And um, Amen. my father ended up um, talking to somebody that talked to another somebody and, um, got me a scholarship to treatment through heroin's killing my town. And Amen. I, I, I like literally this gentleman, his name's Ryan Tripp, he he picked me up and yep. brought me to the Cape and like kept me at his house for like two days until I was ready to nice. go on the plane. Nice. And um, I went to Pompano Beach, Florida. Nice. Woo woo but before you go further, put your headset on because someone's calling in first. Yeah, and oh, you, oh, this is exciting. Put yours on, Michael. <laughs> Which one's mine? Right there, right there. Doesn't matter. Any of you guys want to talk to Phil Leahy? <coughs> oh, these guys oh, will. Oh, Phil. Hi, Phil. Hi, guys. Hi, Phil. Hi, Phil. Hi, how are you doing, Al? No, I'm just great. How are you? All right. Nice to see you guys again. Of course. It's, it's a privilege. to talk to you. Matt, this is the second time for you now, ain't it? Yeah, God willing, I, I made it back again. <laughs> um, Cole got me back on here. Uh, I thank God that I could come here clean, you know, one more time. Amen. Oh, okay. For a minute, there, I thought I was watching a rerun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ha, ha, ha. Uh, well, Michael wasn't with him, was he? No, no. Be and it's funny because I forgot Maddie was on, and then he reminded me as he walked in, and I went, that's right, you were. <laughs> but there's reason why they're on tonight, and towards the end of the show, they're going to talk a little bit about what they're doing with their uh, lives and recovery. But, Phil, while you're on the phone, can you give us an update on Miss Fran? Because we have been praying for her. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to. Actually, uh, I just got off the phone with her. Uh, she had her surgery on Tuesday. Uh, she was on the table for like five and a half hours. Uh, it was a successful surgery, very complicated, but successful. And uh, actually she called me and her doctor came in after I left her today. And he's pretty sure she's coming home Saturday. Yay! Nice. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Yeah. That is wonderful news. And uh, please let her know. I mean, I've been texting you, and I've been watching Lori's uh, posts as well, just to keep an eye on her. But please send her my love. And uh, thank you for calling in tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, and you know, she's she's had so many people reaching out. She's just overwhelmed, and I. I think it gave her a lot of strength. So, uh, so we thank everybody, and uh, you guys continue. You got a great show. Keep it going. Thank you so much. Thanks, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Best wishes. Give Fran my oh. love, please. 
Okay, guys. All Thank right. You. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. That was nice of him. So, as many know, I mean, it is public knowledge that Fran has been um, battling cancer. Um, and it came back, so that's why they had to do the surgery. Um, but based on the information that her daughter's been posting and that Phil's been giving, it sounds like she's doing well um, awesome. and on her road to recovery. So if you're out there listening and you're a prayer person, please keep Fran Leahy in your prayers because we absolutely adore both her and her husband. Yep. Um, without them, I wouldn't be where I'm sitting today, that's Amen. for sure. Amen. Yeah. Healing Amen. wishes to Fran. That's right. So, um, I don't have my glasses on, so people are asking you guys stuff. I, uh, no questions, no. I, I saw Davenport wrote highs. like a... Hi, everyone. Hi, Greg. Hi, Danielle and Tashima. Hi, Phil, again. Hi, Jessica. <laughs> She's my co-host. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love Jessica. Right? Speaking of, I need to speak with her. Nice. And we love this guy, too. So, back to you, Mr. Maddie. Uh, yeah, good. Um... Where were we? We were recovery. at... Recovery. you were recovery. Uh, just, yeah. getting into just recovery. getting into recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Mr. Tripp. Ryan Troy Tripp. Yeah. He, um... I know that name. He, he's a good man. He's a great man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ryan, um, I got this scholarship and Ryan picked me up. Yeah. Held you um, hostage for two uh, days so you couldn't uh, run? Essentially kidnapped me. <laughs> um, I swear to God, it was crazy. This man picked me up um, and brought me to the Cape yeah. and, and uh, made me do construction with him. Um, if anybody actually knows me, I am not a handyman whatsoever. And <laughs> I'm here doing construction, just dope sick, sweating bullets. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the call came in. Um, Justin Dunbar, which is, you know. Um, Dunny. <laughs> A great role, a great role model for me. Um, he's essentially family for me. He's the Amen. guy that gave me the chance to change my life. Amen. Um, called him. He said, "All right, let's bring Maddie in." And like he dropped the hammer and he put me on a plane and I went to a facility called Simple Path Recovery. And Amen. What I, part of Florida was it in? This is in Pompano, Florida, mm-hmm. and I went there and look. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Look, I went there and I, I gathered so many tools, man. There were so many great people that are still heavily, heavily influenced in my life today. Yeah. Um, I, I, I call them family, man. And, um, you know, I completed this program. I came back home. And I want to say that's the last time I used. Um, but when I came home, um, my disease tells me, you know, like maybe you could run one more time. Maybe... Maybe no one, one will more. know. Just one. One. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I put that one in me, and, like, um, my spiritual awakening was much different. I don't know. My spiritual awakening was I put that one last one in me, um, and I couldn't run from my pain no more. Hmm. Um, I felt mom. I felt all the lies. I felt all the manipulation i felt life around me and it was just like it was pointless getting high my like my my road it just it was a block and the fix didn't fix anymore i feel like god was like yeah bud yeah the gig is up the gig is up yeah Mm. and um i got clean on uh i continued to stay clean on essex street and lynn (laughs) (laughs) right um nice (laughs) and look like um I got involved, right? Mm-hmm. I got involved with service. I got involved in meetings. I got involved with, like, you know, some nonprofits, giving back to the less fortunate. Um, and I started to feel, like, this connection. Nice. And I, I wasn't sure what the connection was because, mm-hmm. like, my feelings had been pushed to the side for so long. Yep. But I started to feel love, and I, I started to feel people around me um, embrace me, um, accept me, mm-hmm. tolerate me love me and um my disease manifested to the positivity and um god put some amazing people in my life like look all i ever needed like and that's why i love justin that's why i love mikey this is why i love the people that are closest to me is like all i needed was just one person to accept me Take a minute, take a deep breath with yeah. me and show me how to live. Amen. And never give up on me. Amen. And it's put me in a position where I aggressively help people because I remember how aggressive they were with, you know. Yeah. You know, Justin always tells me, he says, like, I seen something in you. Yeah. Um, 
I put together some clean time. I started, you know, helping people get into detox. Just thought, you know, yeah. I, I'm good at talking. And, I, you know, I would talk, you know, um, these people into detox. I would talk my way into people giving them rides. Yep. And, you know, um, I started to feel this spiritual connection. Right. And, uh, like, um, that spiritual connection was that bridge with yeah. me and my mother. Nice. So every time, like, I get active in my recovery, every time I get active in service, every time I help another struggling addict get from point A to point B, um, it's it, it's the highest latitude of being close to the woman I ran from yeah. my whole entire life. It's, like, very personal for me. Yeah. Um, so, like, I've never wanted to, like, lose that. So I kept on doing that, and uh, I kept on coming back, and... I kept on being of service, and I aggressively help people. And you know, some people would say too aggressive, but yeah. you know, like we're dealing with time, we're dealing with the disease of addiction. Yeah. And I'd rather be too aggressive than not, you know, care at all. So yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things you said though was uh, was really key is time, and uh, and the greatest gift that anyone had ever given me is time as I'm sure it is with mm, you, absolutely. it's time. Is there time? When I look back at uh, my first sponsors, Betsy and Jerry Anderson, and they say their names, so I'm not afraid of it. Um, they invested so much time in me. Right. Um, that it was insane. Like, even more time than my own family would invest in me right. to make sure. And it was just between them and there was a woman, Marsha Whitcomb, out of the psychological center. She was from Lynn, Mass. She invested time in me Not and from time grew that one person that's going to believe in me right and um and and in my case it was several and then when i think of going through the steps and the time, the time that yeah. my sponsor put in with me and then it's the most crazy. embarrassing part of that is when you're reading your resentments like my sponsor was one of yeah, the people of I resented, course, yeah. and I was like, I am so humiliated yeah. to yeah. say because now that I'm on the other side, it's like time, the time that is invested for us, and then to freely turn around and to give it to others mm -hmm. is to me how this whole it's, recovery works. Amen. Look, yeah. amen. Look, <laughs> I was talking about it in the meeting the other day. Yeah. Um, recovery's done so much for me. Yep. It's given me a career. Amen. It's given me a family. Mm -hmm. um, it's given me people in my life that I was talking about it the other day. I have men like Michael, my sponsor, my mm -hmm. best friend, mm -hmm. that can know exactly what's wrong with me down to the pen just by my posture. Yes. The fact that in while he's denying it. While he, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. The fact that another human being yep. would take enough time yep. to get to know me. Yeah. To that extent, yep. is everything I've ever needed, and that's why you know I stay close. I, I never want to lose that. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. How do I not lose that? I keep an open mind to the best of my ability. Yeah. I try to stay plugged in. I try to talk about where I'm at, give people you know um, the pain I've endured and how I got through it. Yeah. And. Um, the recovery community gave me a godmother. Yeah, amen. You know, I, I got baptized. I got a relationship with God around here. Amen. You became my godmother. You amen. know, like, talk about all the missing pieces being restored. Amen. Along with my sanity. Mm-hmm. Like, um... Life second to none. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Right. And, um... <laughs> it's, it's a direct result of... The love of Michael, uh, of Justin, of you, of everybody else that's played a part in my life. Um, Pretty love powerful is the most stuff. powerful stuff ever. Love is the most powerful stuff. So before we get ready to go to our break, I just want to thank um, some more of our sponsors. A big shout out to Artie Broadhurst, the law office of Arthur Broadhurst, Circle of Hope, Clean Slate, Enterprise Bank. Essex Flooring, Fred Orazio, whoop, whoop. Thank you, Fred. Haven of Hope. Haven of Hope. Kingston Lions Club, Lawrence Methuen Community Coalition. Um, so we'll be back shortly after this break, and we'll hear from Mr. Mike. Mr. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
Slate saves lives. With medication-assisted treatment for opioid and alcohol addictions, they provide an individualized treatment plan for each patient with a variety of evidence-based psychological and social treatments, including groups and counseling. Their physicians and care coordinators work closely with other medical and behavioral health professionals, social service organizations, and community partners to support every aspect of their patient's recovery and to address any barriers they may face. Hey there, this is Phil Leahy, and just to break it down, if you or someone you love has a problem with addiction, give Clean Slate a chance. They have the tools that may just help you into a long-lasting recovery. And guys, we'll see you again on The Empty Chair. Bye-bye. Hi there, my name's Phil Leahy, and I do The Empty Chair show here. And as much as Fran and I have enjoyed doing this show, our real passion is with where it all began, the Circle of Hope, my support group for the families of addicts. I learned a long time ago that dealing with an active addict is just too difficult. So we invite you to join our group, the Circle of Hope. Uh, Give me a call, 978-886-2949, and you'll see our banner on the show anyway. And, and give me a call, find out what it's all about. You know, if you don't think you're ready to sit into a group, uh, Fran and I always invite people uh, over to the house and we sit down, have a one-on-one, and we talk about a plan you'll have to set up, how to deal with someone in active addiction, or, or just give you a chance to vent. So, I mean, if you or someone you know has dealing with a, someone in active addiction, Reach out, give a call, take the first step. I promise you that it won't make it easier, but once you understand what it's all about, you'll be able to deal with it a little bit better. So again, 978-886-2949. Just ask for Phil. I'm always available 24-7. Thanks, and we'll see you on the empty chair. Bye-bye. second half and, and what an amazing first half listening to Maddie um, you definitely are a pure example of um, hope recovery like it does happen so uh, thank you for sharing tonight and it's just as always an honor to have you here and it's an honor to have you here as well so I both I met you both at the same time we were in Andover um, at one of Soban Namvar's um, events and I came across these two crazy guys. These two lunatics. Two yeah. lunatics. And I'm like... Anyone can recover. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Someone them, please. <laughs> right. Retalizer table two. We have fun. Yeah. We have fun. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it's just been a friendship that's been rolling since then, so it's been pretty cool. It's been cool to witness you guys in your journey um, of recovery and what you're doing mm. and everything. So Amen. I know... Um, I know you're uh, 10 years, which is a beautiful thing, and that's an absolute miracle. So feel free to share with our audience tonight a little bit about your experience, strength, and hope, especially uh, to those out there that might be hurting tonight. Um, Mikey, I'm an addict, grateful recovering addict. Um, First off, I want to have a moment of silence for the addict that's going to die while I'm sharing, Um, the addict that can't get into treatment. Um, the addict uh, that may be in his or her last 30 days of recovery, and they aren't aware of it. Um, and then, then I'll go to get into my story. Okay. All right, Mikey, an addict. Hi, um, Mikey. First and foremost, I want to thank God for allowing me to be here, Amen. allowing Cole, allowing Maddie to be here. Um, it was amazing to hear Maddie's story. It's always so powerful. Um, I love how he talks about like the feelings because. You know the disease of addiction for me didn't started with didn't start with drugs or alcohol. It started with uncomfortability. It it started with like the lack of ability to feel ease and comfort. It started with me um, my perspective on life being skewed. You know my perspective on what family looked like was supposed to look like. My perspective on what love was supposed to look like. My expectations on what love was supposed to look like and how it really never met my expectations my feelings and perspective towards love never met my expectations so it always left me feeling with like this pit of emptiness and i come from like a loving family provided for me um good athlete good student um in my earlier years um 
you know, good people, just good people. And um, the only one, the one thing, and this isn't to put blame or um, anything, it's just to report. This is how I felt. Like, I come from an adoptive family, so um, never having that connection with, like, my biological family and doing some research and therapy and, like, 12 steps, like, left me feeling with those abandonment issues and, like, that struggle internally. Like, why wasn't I good enough? Like, why didn't this family, my supposed biological family, love me enough to, you know, raise me, you know? And, And that doesn't that doesn't go without to say like my adoptive family didn't provide for me and love me like my mom is my mom and she's she's the apple of my eye my dad is my dad and I love him you know I love him to the bitter ends but like you know always you know being equipped with that emptiness that 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 left me with um, I never knew I I never could understand because outwardly my life looked amazing right like uh, I was an all-star little league player you know traveling basketball player uh, well-spoken, honor roll student up until like the ninth grade till I found drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, always just equipped with like that uneasiness, that um, that anxiousness that, you know, in, in, in teachers and in, in my peers would label it ADHD, you know, couldn't sit still. Yeah. Um, but I just was never comfortable. I was just always the biggest critic of myself. I'd always tear myself apart, could never appreciate the man that I was, though, the, the kid that I was, always compared myself to my to my peers, and, and I could never feel like I measured up to them. And because um, I always deemed myself different. I deemed myself different off the bat. So I never even gave myself a chance. And um, and those feelings, like going into high school and adolescence, like it made my life very difficult. It made my life very difficult, and it made my life, uh, you know, extremely uneasy. And like I did whatever I could to fit in. Uh, as soon as I could get a rise out of like the kids in class, and I felt like I was accepted a little bit, I ran with that, and that was like my first high. My first high was like getting a rise out of like my peers because I was like, wow, finally these people love me. You know, they accept me for who I am. I know I'm different. You know, my family uh, might feel I'm different. I don't feel the love that like you know my expectations of what love are. Now, like my my friend, they love me and the, and they don't they don't care about like you know me being adopted. They don't care about what the the real truth is. And um, I ran with that and I loved that. And then my behavioral stuff. My behavioral stuff was like my first issue. And um, you know that anxious apartness. I never felt connected to anyone. Then and, and that's what it led me. And um, so then I remember like freshman year. You know, um, that's when I first started. I first started with like the weed. I really didn't like weed off the bat. It made me really anxious. Me it like it, it yeah it perpetuated my anxiety. But like the alcohol, I remember like the first Woo! time. Yeah, alcohol was like <laughs> I could, it, it was like I could breathe. Amen. You know right. what I mean? I can breathe. Yes. Okay. I can I can exhale. I had arrived. I could be who I wanted to be. I could be, you know, that charming guy. I could be the person who talks with women. I could talk to my peers. I wouldn't have to crit in my head. I wasn't criticizing every move I made, like every step I every step I took. I wasn't like pointing out every flaw about me. Yeah. And finally, that's what the alcohol did for me. And um, it just shuts the mind up and just like shut up. Shut up. But yep. before you go further, sure. so how old were you when you? We um, were told you were adopted. Was I told when I was adopted? So, that's a good question. And how did it come up in conversation? I think my parents just wanted to be transparent with me. Okay. You know, um, off the bat, they didn't want me to grow up and maybe be, you know, at the age of, like, uh, awareness, maybe in my early adolescence, where I was like, oh, and by the way, you know what I mean? You were okay. adopted. So, so it was an open conversation. So it was open. Like, yeah. it was, like, four or five years old, probably. Yep. It was, like, a, a point in my life where I could remember, you know what yep. I mean? It wasn't, like anything um it wasn't any time like prior to that it was definitely like in in an age where like you can have an open conversation and like it would be remembered you know what i mean and and i didn't really feel different off the bat but then i think when i got a little bit older and realized what it meant yep and like how i wasn't like you know blood relatives with like my uncles and aunts and stuff like that and it always just cast me in a different light than yep. everybody else. It always made me feel different. Like, am I really welcomed here? Do they really love me? Or do they have to say they love me? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it, it's just like, my mind was like, it, it just never stopped. It was, it was questioning everything. Yeah. I have friends that are adopted and one that continues to struggle. Yeah. Um, and I really, I think that's a, a key piece as to what you're saying and what your experience at that age is I typical. Had a hard time. Yeah, absolutely. I had a hard time in my 20s. Like it, it was a part, it it was a, been a part of my story my whole life. Yeah. And I wasn't able to be open about it until like three years ago in recovery. 
Was it because you had a child and you were like, how could someone give up a child? No, no, it was just because I was still ashamed of it. I was still ashamed of the fact. I wanted my adoptive parents to, I wanted people to think they were my biological parents. Okay. Like, I wanted my truth to be my truth. Like, I wanted to, you know, I always was prideful because, you know, my biological parents were Italian, but my, my, my adoptive parents were like, you know, full, full-blooded, off-the-boat Italian. Like, I, 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 and like, I wanted to cling to that. I wanted yeah. my truth to be my truth. Okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, and that's the stuff that, um, I, I was so scared of for years and it was only through like step work, a loving sponsor that I was able to like shed that stuff and like he he always told me like you should share about it. you're gonna be able to help so many more people yes absolutely and, and he always knew that my affinity was to help people like if you ask Maddie if you ask people who know me like that's my passion my passion is like you said is giving people my time giving people my ear giving people my wisdom my perspective that I've gained in my recovery and passing that along that's the ultimate that's my ultimate um, achievement in life. Right. It doesn't. My monetary gains have nothing to do with the stuff that I do behind closed doors because yep. without without that, the monetary gains mean nothing. Absolutely. And my career means nothing without being able to give my time and my love to to others. And um, it was only once, like, that I was able to give love in abundance that I was able to receive love. Amen. Mm. And feel connected. Yeah. And it's still hard. Right. And it's right? still hard. Yeah. It's still, still a struggle. Hard. So how old were you when you went into treatment, and how did you get there? What Ooh, was your... How did I get there? It was a lot of denial, because it was never like... <laughs> it was. I mean, it was never like, this couldn't well, happen to me, you know? Because, like, yeah. like, on the outside, I was always, like, good-looking kid, well-dressed, well, like I said, well-spoken. You know well, what I mean? Dress, no well, yeah. kidding. Well, but like I always like I love that stuff. Even as a kid, so it was like for me, it was hard to even look at myself in that light. Yeah. You know. And, yes. And I never, I never thought like that this this would come to. And to be honest with you, to be to be honest, like prior to me um, even um, forming a habit with drugs and alcohol, not to say I mean I was always addicted, but having, but prior to have forming a habit with drugs and alcohol, I was selling drugs. You know what I mean? I was selling drugs in order to you know accrue money because I thought money would make me feel whole. I thought mm -hmm. things would make me feel whole. I thought I, I thought worldly possessions would make me feel okay. Yeah. It never worked, right? Right. Didn't work until right. I found God. And um and then uh, yeah, so I, I sought treatment, you know, with a lot of with my family intervening many times yeah. and me denying, denying, denying. Uh, I sought treatment for the first time at about 22 years old, and that's not to say that you know I uh, sustained any type of recovery or long-term um, sobriety at that point. It was a lot of try and fail. Um, it was like you know attempts at uh, MAT, attempts at like outpatient programs, uh, in and out of detox, uh, like Maddie, like you know doing like sometimes detox and then like a residential, yeah. but doing it for the wrong reasons. Promise, you know. To me, these still aren't failures, though, because no. seeds were being planted in your heads. For every treatment oh, yeah. you went into, another seed went in until you finally got it, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're out there, and this is part of your experience, too, of bouncing in and out, it's like, the, even though, don't define success based on longevity, just success for today. Right, you absolutely. Know? Right. And every treatment center, you learn something, you take something, or you don't, but subconsciously there are seeds being planted oh, of course and, and, and the length of like your sobriety your clean time isn't the measure of success either Not right at all. you it's know today. it's the quality it's a, it's, a, it's a 24 hours and it's the yep. quality it's like how am i doing today well how's my spiritual condition today right what am i doing for my spiritual fitness on yep. a day-to-day -day basis how am i getting closer to my higher power how am i getting closer if my higher power isn't god or, or what we or what all of us share as a higher power how am i getting closer to the universe right, yep. right. how am i getting closer to a supreme being that's guiding yep. me i know people that have many years of sobriety yeah and they're no anxious recovery. angry upset very angry yeah, yeah. and it's just like wow when did that happen mm -hmm. you know and then i think well when you don't do your step work it <laughs> absolutely <yeah>. absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. even like is there anything you're trying to read there for us maybe supposed to be saying i'm not that sure anyone? what i'm doing right now <laughs> <laughs> See how I'm all over the place, so you yeah. might have to guide, you have to guide me back. Long. I can't like, stay on this door. Well, you have you're someone there. identifying with you in regards to your experience. Amen. Amen. And sometimes, Thanks for you sharing, know, Joanne. I know. And w one of the things that I think of is like, to be adopted is like such a gift. It is, yeah. Because the alternative is the alternative. Is the alternative, right? You know, and, um, but I know as a child, 
they you don't connect that and you were speaking of it like the love what right. how could someone not love me and blah 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 right. so i totally understand with that but to me like adoption is an amazing, it's gift. amazing gift and that's the perspective shift right so yes. my perspective at the time was oh poor me why me well you know what i mean when huh? when i now i look at it like i could have been one of the kids that was in and out of foster, foster yes homes. Yeah. you know right. with, with abusive family like yep. you know what i mean and like i was i was fortunate enough to have the pretty much the two best parents that i, I could ask for like mm -hmm. my mom is a huge huge part of my life to this day i'm a mama's boy amen you know what i mean and it has nothing to do with her and i being blood it has yeah. everything to do with how much she cares about me, yep. how much she provides for my son, how much, you know, unconditional love she showed me. She's the main proponent of me being clean today because she never gave up on Amen. me. Amen. Mm. You know what I mean? And Amen. she didn't, and you know, having no, like, blood connection and for her to love me that much and, like, continue to, to be there for me in and out of programs, homeless, um, set up boundaries, got help for herself was able to go to Al-Anon, was able to go to like all these family support meetings that they had back, you know, 10, 12 years ago, which aren't as vast as they have now. It, it goes to show, it's a credit to her for putting forth an effort Amen. And, into my recovery. Right. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, I was going to tail off of that and I totally forget what I was going to say, Mike. <laughs> yeah, That's okay. They'll bump into each other and the thought will yeah. come. So again, Another huge success story. So you hit yeah. your bottom, you get out of treatment. I hit my bottom, got out of treatment. That's awesome. Thanks for bringing me back there. Um, yep. <laughs> no, no, seriously, because I would have been... Um, Red shiny ball. Yeah, Red yeah, shiny yeah. ball. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was in the Charlestown Recovery House, yep. which is a halfway house for men. I'm a product of like state-funded programming, so there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Um, um, went through the house got involved with the community there, um, got myself uncomfortable, right? So I would do things that I typically wouldn't do because I wanted to hold on to the gift that was recovery so badly that, um, you know, typically I wouldn't share at meetings. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't want to expose what's really going on. But, you know, I forced myself to every day, every morning in that, that, yeah. that morning group. I, w I would expose myself. I would tell people what was going on. I would tell people what was happening. I would tell people about my feelings. I would get vulnerable with another man. And, and I saw results. You know, I started racking up the, 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 the coins. I started racking up the keychains. 30, 60, 90 days, got a home group, right? My home group, like, volunteered me to be the chairperson. That was my first first service position ever, and I was scared out of my pants, right? <laughs> but, like, I couldn't show. I come from a city. I come from Riviera. I couldn't show fright. I couldn't show fear. Like, I had to be like, yeah, I'll do it. But, like, yep. inside, I'm, like, riddled with anxiety and fear, and I'm scared to death. And um, and it, just because you know it's scary, it's scary to be up there, it's scary to be exposing yourself, it's scary to speak in front of people. Yep. But I know what it produced was was real. I know it produced the relief. It produced the same relief and effects by helping others that the drugs and alcohol Amen. produced. Amen. And it was a long-term sustaining relief. And like that's what I'd been searching for my whole life. Mm. So from that point forward, I found like an affinity for like helping others. Yeah. Got involved in my home group held numerous service positions, always showed up. I still have the home, the same home group 10 years later. Um, when I could, I started sponsoring men. For, well, first I got a sponsor. Started sponsoring men as soon as I could. Doing service work, driving guys to detox, taking people you know, to dinner after the meeting, uh, taking people on commitments, doing commitments, being a, vo being a voice for people in recovery, being a voice for people still suffering, mm. going to, you know, ATSs, CSSs, delivering the message of hope, because there is hope. People do recover out there. Amen. Like, the, we're, we're three examples of recovery being, being very possible. Amen. And what God can do for us <laughs> when we when we invite him into our lives <laughs> and when we seek God. Amen. And um, I loved it ever since. Like, and, 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 and I never stopped. You know, that's one thing I could credit myself was Same. I never stopped with service yep. you know 10 years later I see people stop I see people get complacent I still do service as rigorously as I did you know day 365 that I do 10 years later right. if not more Amen. right because our disease yeah. still progresses exactly you know just because we're absent it doesn't mean our disease progresses it doesn't progress it progresses my mm -hmm. mind is still always going I have to do something to subside the thoughts yep and how do I connect with God, right? How's the ultimate, what's my ultimate pathway to God? Is to put someone's hand into my hand and into the hand of God. Amen. Right? And Absolutely. I, can't, I don't. <laughs>
I don't experience God unless I connect with another man or That's woman. That's right. Right? Yep. Because God's not tangible. I can't hug him. I can't yeah. kiss him. Yeah. But I can feel him if Absolutely. I help others. Right. And that's funny that because you brought up like your, your dislike for God. And I remember like as an alcoholic and an addict, my goal was to go to heaven to kill God so that everyone, <laughs> so that everyone down here would be free from his pain. And that's why You're I was dexter. so destructive to leave this world because I hated him. And yep. this disease brought me to him. And I will be forever grateful for, for disease. the disease because mm -hmm. without it, it would never have happened, and a lot I could identify with, like not knowing who you were. And I was always, you know, so and so sister. I was, um, I lost my boyfriend in high school, and I was the poor girl who lost her boyfriend in high school. Like I never knew who I was, but I wore whatever title people gave me, you know. Right. And then I became class clown, and I yep. wore that for like many years, yeah. and uh, and just bringing it up to a whole nother yeah. level, right? Yeah. And. And it's just funny how you all say that. So if we have anyone that's new that's listening tonight with these feelings of restless, irritable, discontent, discontent yeah. not knowing that how to feel, um, having these angry feelings towards God or anything like that, like I hope that you're hearing these stories of success of what they were like and what you folks are no longer like now. Right. Amen. You and, know? And if you can't get with the God thing yet, like, yeah. please, please call us regardless. It doesn't right. have to be just, you know, that just God-based. I'm glad yeah. you said that yeah. because it took a long time. Yeah. So part of my story is... You said it. It's not tangible. So right. I used to be like, I don't believe in God. Real. If I can't touch him, I can't yeah. see him, I can't feel him. He doesn't exist. So um, Marsha, my therapist, would come. She would say, well, hold on to something. So I carried around five rocks. And when I tell the story, it wasn't cocaine. It was like real rocks <laughs> from the ground, right? <laughs> and I used to say, and I used to pray to them. And I'd be like, if you're real, keep me sober today. <laughs> and then as a month went by, I, I, had, I saw a miracle. So I would drop a rock. And then I would have four in my hand and, right yeah. i love that book yeah, yeah. and then um and then eventually at one point like i was actually seeing the miracles that were happening and i was able to release those right. and I create a relationship so yeah so even though like we're all jacked up on jesus this did not happen this was no. years in the making of course you yeah. know and um so if you're hearing us talk about that tonight, like never Don't ever, be scared, yeah. and you know, I know people that you know used God as their higher. I mean, a dog because it was backwards. God was backwards, and it was mm. their dog. I know people that borrowed someone's higher power. Just right. the fact that you know, I see that you believe. So I'm going to believe in what you believe in, and uh, and I saw people use nature and just whatever. Yeah. Whatever it takes to get you, as long as you're not your own God, then you're Ooh. you're in a winning game. Amen. You know, it's when Amen. you are the Alpha and the Omega, then you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, right? Absolutely. Definitely, right? So, thank you both. Thank I do you have a question. For us. Go ahead. I How love did you. you two meet? I love you too, and you're very handsome. You know you're that. You're very yeah. handsome. Well, you're very handsome. You're very beautiful. You're very beautiful. Thank you. I'm yeah. handsome. But so women, the mustache we, no, 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 but tonight. Back, back, <laughs> in the day, back in the day, it used to be a, um, a compliment to call women handsome as well. Really? Like, you're this like is that's true. a handsome couple. I'm intrigued. Yeah. 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 So nice. I can start. You're beautiful. You're, thank you. Beautiful. You and your wife are a handsome couple. We're a handsome couple. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. It came out of a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, how, how did you, did you two meet, and what was it like to ask him to be your valentine? Well, that's uh, a good story. I'll let him, I'll let him okay. do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, let's see the honesty, if the honesty comes out. Me and Mike were actually um, we were working together at another facility at the beginning of our career. It was the, kind of like the beginning of my career. Yeah. At um, Simple Living? Simple Path? Um, Banyan. This was way time. back at Banyan. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And um, I had been struggling. I was sponsorless because I, I fired my sponsor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I fired he, him because, like... He told you I, what to do? Because he took... Right. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's my process, you know? Yeah. So, um... I had, you know, I, I was just lost. I was broken, and you know, I I, I was acting out on on some on some behaviors, yeah, per se, mm -hmm. uh, per se, and um, I found myself inflicting uh, an abundance amount of pain on myself. Yep. Um, for some reason, the minute I met Mike, there was a connection. You know what I mean? At a meeting, was he speaking? At work. I met him at oh, work. Work. And yeah, we is. used to stand outside and you know tell Stare you know at the like stars. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, not in a romantic way. <laughs> 
It's always romantic. In a spiritual way. Yeah. Right. Good. You. Um, look, I had inflicted some. I I, I inflicted some pain on, on myself through uh, some choices that I made. Yeah. And um, I didn't know which way to go. And, and for some reason, um, my God, you know. I had been thinking about asking Mike to sponsor me, mm. um, and it was at like everybody has the bottom of the bucket in, in recovery, you know. Oh what heck I mean? yeah! And it was at my bottom of the bucket in recovery where yeah. I was like one foot in, one foot out. Which way am I going? Mm. I was like, um, "Hey man, will you sponsor me?" And he goes, uh, "Hey man, honesty is the antidote to diseased up thinking." <laughs> and he goes. He opened up a window because, yeah. like, what, that's what created the platform of, like, me accepting me. Yeah. Being honest with every... I would never be able to share openly, honestly, how I how I do today yeah. without working with Mike. Well, well, he created a safe place for me. But here's the thing he left out, right? <laughs> oh, so I had no, I had known he'd been lying to me about a certain yeah, situation. Yeah, well, that, you know? And I called him out on it. I said, when you're ready to get honest and do some work... I will gladly sponsor Look, you. Look, listen. Amen. Here's the thing, but here's, yeah. here's the ad. Yeah. He said that to me. I went on vacation, but I had I had to go to like I had to go the away. Days. I had to go to an excursion <laughs> to think about this. I went away for three days. Yeah. Right. The, the text he sent me before I went away, he goes, "Honesty is the antidote to diseased up thinking. If you want to do some real step work, holler at me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went away for three days. I texted him. I'm like. All right, yeah, I did. I did it. You're right. right. <laughs> yeah. and he was like, All right, let's do some step work, and it's Amen. been on and going since. And isn't that where the miracles are? Like I tell yeah. people, no matter how far in the woods you are, it's only twelve steps out, and that's where the healing began for me. You know, huge. Right. Uh, even at eleven years sober and being mm -hmm. suicidal because the yep. program wasn't working anymore. And uh, being blessed to meet this woman, Robin, who took me through the big book step study process, and that changed my life. Because yeah. there was that part that I always didn't look at of what part did I play and how did I keep this rolling. Right. Like, even in recovery, my story was the same. It was just different actors and actresses, like right. this yeah. group, and, yeah. and still acting out the same way. And that forever changed my life, so... We're all I'm perfectly glad. imperfect. That's right. So I'm glad that you guys do some step work. So now... Oh, we do. Yeah, and that you have each other. You guys are amazing. And so I know you two have recently left your positions. I know you have mm. left Simple Path and you have left Banyan. Yeah, yeah. Um, to take a jump, of, right? To take a jump in faith. And uh, do you want to tell the folks a little bit about it, of what you guys have up and coming? Sure. And, Mike, Whatever you can disclose. Oh, but before we yeah, jump yeah. on, into yeah. that, right? Um, how you said honesty. Honesty. So lately, the word in the world out there is transparent. I'm transparent. transparent. I would take honesty over transparency because honesty is pure honesty, and transparency, right. I can still see your bullshit. <laughs> Boom, drop my Somebody go get wholesome <laughs> yeah. ice on fire right now. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about what your your next adventure is. I know this is a huge leap in faith for yeah. the two of you, um, but I always I remind you both that God didn't carry you this far now to drop you now. So Amen. Okay. if you're able to share a little bit about what the future lies within like maybe the next 90 days, the next year for you two, and, and give us a little feedback on that. Yeah, so we can't, without disclosing too much, okay. because it's all in the in, it's all in in works. works uh, yep. It's all in the works currently. So right now we work for... Uh, a facility. Well, we work for a company called the Haven Health Group. Um, we have locations throughout the country. Yep. Um, we have a partnership with Lake Ave Recovery. They are great. an they unbelievable are treatment center, PHP, IOP with housing right on the so Shrewsbury. So stop right yep. there because they might have a listener who's like, what, yeah, PHP? Yeah. Like, is that preparation H? Like, <laughs> yeah. can you explain what these letters are so, so people know what there's available for them or their loved ones? Placement. So partial hospitalization program, Yeah. Um, that's pretty much day treatment. So it's right. full-time day treatment. So a uh, minimum 25 to 30 hours a week of clinical services. So some could go there during the day and still hold their job in the evening. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. So daytime that, and nighttime. That would be, you even have the nighttime one so someone could work during the day and go there go in the nighttime. evening instead of like having to go into treatment full time. Absolutely. So that's an amazing thing and that's something I would push for people that And we can't offer a fully remote um, telehealth. You do our program, the full nice. program, the, yep. the PHP day treatment, From fully home. remote. 
Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are you folks looking to go non-remote in 2021 as everyone else, or are you just taking it by the guidelines of what we receive? So we're both. We're, we're in person yeah. and remote. Oh, okay. You have the option yeah. to go remote. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, we're, so you, we're, you can go fully in person, or you could do a hybrid. You could do two days at home, three okay. days in, in our treatment center. Um, all of our remote groups are in are involved with our actual groups that are in the clinical yep. center. Um, so that's what we're doing now, but in the future, in the Merrimack Valley, we plan to open a similar uh, model of care in this area. Amen. The of the Merrimack yeah. Valley. Amen. Yeah. Desperately needed, yeah. something we don't have enough of, yeah. um, especially during now. Like, if um, you didn't have mental health issues before COVID-19, you certainly have them now. Oh, um, yeah, there isn't one person that you can't say has not yeah. um, experienced depression, anxiety. I watched a blank uh, TV for for 45 minutes yesterday. Yeah, and did yeah. it talk to you? Did it try to eat you? It's the most it... interesting series I've ever <laughs> seen. Yeah, yeah it's right? good. It's good. Yeah, so, so that's excellent because that is something that's desperately needed because we still hear, like even if I, I tried to get a gentleman a bed the other day and it was like, there's a waiting list. And I, as soon as I hear that, my stomach falls because that time right there when you have them is the most precious time to get someone into treatment. Oh, absolutely. You're going to strike while they're willing. Absolutely. Not with a small. So it's going to be in the Merrimack Valley. Do you have like a time frame or anything like that? Like this year or 2021? uh, Prior to quarter one, so this quarter. Amen. Amen. Well, I wish you both the best of luck, and I'm sure once you're able to speak of it, I know for a fact that you folks will be buying advertisement for We will. will. Oh, yeah. And you'll have your own banner there. Um, but I wanted to talk to you because you brought up Lake Way. Is Lake Ave. Lake Ave. Lake Ave. Ave. So tell me a little bit about Lake Ave. Like, where is it? How would someone, what type of insurance? Is it mass health or is it private? Tell me a little bit about that facility. It's pri- private insurance. We have a really affordable cash rate um, in terms of like comparable care. Uh, mm-hmm. We're premier um, high-quality treatment center. We do uh, sometimes we have the capability of taking some mass health <laughs> products. Yeah. Nice. Um, and we're uh, soon to be going in network with Tufts, which will allow us to take Tufts Mass Health, Amen. which is great for that demographic. I'm, I come from that demographic, so I want to help my people. Nice. You know? yep. If there's um, a website for, can you type it in so that way it stays oh, yeah. on this yeah. news feed forever? So if anyone refer to it, just type it's it just in and it's going to go over here. www.lakeavrecovery.com. Yeah, so put it in there along with phone numbers if people have any questions. Um, So that way when this shows, that will always be attached to it, um, and that link will always be there. So it's a great thing to have. And it goes without saying, look, um, I can know I can speak for Michael, I can speak for myself um, with anything. If you need somebody to talk to, if you need help getting into treatment, if you need help, you know, um, if you're a parent and you need, you know, guidance into, you know, um, meetings for that. anything just call our line um we do our best to pick up all the time yeah i Um, would say most of the time you guys do great picking up right but it's it's showing up is the scary part (laughs) you blew me off twice (laughs) you know we blew you off for a i know very good reason and i agree i'm only busting them and you guys do answer your phone and typically it's by the second ring and it's like what what can i do for you oh my god what do you want yeah what do you want you usually call me yell at me about something trying to keep you in line so ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for being with us tonight Michael and Maddie are putting their name, names and number in here along with the website if you want more information. Um, as okay. always, you can reach out to me as well at 603-205-4752. I want to give a big thank you again to all our sponsors. We appreciate you. Matt McLennan from Century 21, Methuen Events, Michaud Insurance, more from Boston, Recovery Centers of America, Sunrise I'm Detox, Sunrise. Sunrise, Alternative Healthcare, well, which is Bob. Bob and Andrea, let's go. Bob and Andrea. Andover does care. That's right. Andover cares a lot. The law office of Adi Broadhurst. Circle of Hope. Circle of Hope. Clean Slate. 
please. Enterprise please. Bank, which is Cheryl well, from MVP ASAP. Um, big shout out to Essex Flooring, Fred Orazio. Whoop Need whoop. A follower at them. That's hey. right. Haven yeah. of Hope. Kingston Lions Club. Need and to buy Lawrence. a lion. <laughs> Lawrence Methuen Coalition. So, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, yeah. recovery <laughs> does happen. Right. Again, 45 years of recovery coming at you this evening. Well. If you haven't heard anything here tonight on tonight's show, um, please tune in for the next month. We have some great speakers that will probably be um, from California live Ooh, on Zoom. Cali and dude. I, I'm telling you, uh, this young man, Lou in the back, is going to make it happen. So Shout out to Lou. Lou. So thank you all for tuning in tonight. God bless and stay safe. We'll see you in two weeks. Have a good evening. Good job. <laughs> Love y'all.